The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Hey, we're back, and so are you, obviously, since you're listening, and that's an awesome thing, so thanks for joining us again for another podcast, Most Certainly True. I'm Pastor Hockman. I'm here with Pastor Strong. How are you today? I'm doing fine, and I'm hoping everybody else is doing fine today, too. Well, their day just got better because they started listening sure to did. Most Certainly True podcast. It sure did. <laughs> we we're happy to brighten up your day and to bring you a little joy. And that was the peak of the podcast and downhill. <laughs> don't, from... <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> you know, you watch like... Got to start strong. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you watch like all the, the, the insights that you can get from like people watching, it just dropped majorly. <laughs> it was really high and now just everyone tuned out. <laughs> I was joking. I think you should be listening to this and that we're, it's, it's, we're going uphill for sure. This is going to be an awesome uh, 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> The best choice you've made all day. Absolutely. We're in Matthew chapter 11. I uh, hope you've been enjoying our uh, devotional walk through through this gospel and then tuning in and um, finding out some of our insights and as we continue that conversation on. So uh, hopefully you've read chapter 11. That's going to be the topic we talk about today. Um, this is kind of interesting. The heading for chapter 10 is Jesus sends out the 12 but he really doesn't send them out until verse 1 of chapter 11. Um, yeah, chapter 10 just records all of uh, his instructions right, for sending them out. It's the pep talk. Now it's he the sends pre- them out. It's the pregame pep talk, verse right. 1. Now they're out. And kind of interesting, Jesus does some mission work while his disciples are are away. Um, Jesus, it says he goes to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. He had to go along and do the work too. And uh, and then it continues on as to um, as they were doing this, um, we get we refer back to John the Baptist. Um, so John the Baptist at this point had been imprisoned, um, and I think it's in oh shoot, what gospel is it in that records his imprisonment with uh, King Herod? Is it? Oh man, I asked this a question that neither of us were prepared it's to answer. Not Matthew. <laughs> it's not Matthew. Was it? Oh man, Mark or Luke or Maybe John? Mark or Luke. I don't think it was John, but. Um, Let's take an awkwardly long seven. time I to bet get it's this. Luke seven, and then we can edit out the awkward pause Although where maybe we tried that's to not find that. Either. <laughs> Stay tuned. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we're having technical difficulties here on the podcast. No, not Luke seven either. Are, are we going to just list off the chapters that it's not in until the, we until you know, we we'll find just keep it? Rolling with it. <laughs> I'll vouch for you that yes, John the ha- John the Baptist was. We'll find it. Well, as an addendum at the end of this, <laughs> but you know, John John had this this interaction with King Herod and, um, and basically called him out for um, for sleeping with his brother's wife, and uh, Herod was not too pleased about this, and um, and eventually, or no, at this point he's already imprisoned because of that. Yes, and it's later on then where he's he that's, loses his head. That's the demise, yes, um, because of of a of a silly promise that King Herod made to his his daughter. So, anyways, 
back on track, John is imprisoned, and he sends his followers, the people, his disciples, off to Jesus to ask the question, um, are you, Jesus, the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Yeah. I I guess I've always glossed over these words and never until this time around to think about what would that have been like for John as he's getting these reports. So he knows he's the forerunner. He knows who Jesus is. Um, and then he gets these reports of here's what's going on with Jesus. Uh, here's what he's doing. He's fulfilling these Old Testament prophecies, and he's um, – growing uh crowds and um so just this confirmation um that he was on the right track and you know if imprisonment is what god had in store for him fine but he served his purpose and was was right in pointing people to jesus so just that reassurance that that must have been to get these get word back even in prison that Jesus' ministry is moving along and the plan is being fulfilled, the plan that he was a part of. Right, and it's it's interesting, too, to just contemplate what brought that question up. Um, I guess I've, I've heard two ideas behind it. One was, um, was this for his disciples' sake? Like, you've been sitting with me, but now you, like he did earlier, go and see. And he sent the, his disciples to, to follow Jesus. And maybe this was, you go and find out if the, for yourselves, is this the one? that is was to come so was it for their benefit or the other line of thinking is was this for john's benefit maybe he's in prison and now he's having some doubts and and maybe questioning a little bit if uh is jesus the one especially in light of um how john's message very much revolved around judgment upon the unrepentant and and unbelievers and maybe that was or that was part of the the mentality of what the Jewish people thought about the Messiah too. He's going to bring judgment upon the Gentile nations and things like this. Jesus didn't bring a whole lot of judgment on people, besides some harsh words every once in a while, right? Um, so maybe John is in his mind questioning whether Jesus really was the Messiah, because in his expectation, maybe he wasn't doing what he expected either. So regardless of that, though, Jesus does give just a really good and clear description of of this is what the Messiah came to do, and this is what I'm doing, um, which is which was um, enlightening, I'm sure, to John and his disciples. It was really good. Not long enough for me to find that reference from before, <laughs> but but good words. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and and then Jesus actually just gives credence uh, at the end of that section to to John as well, um, showing that this was he was the one who was promised to be sent. Ahead of time, and again, we have another prophecy in in the book of Matthew that's being fulfilled in in uh, in Jesus' ministry as he points them to the prophecy from uh, from Malachi, Malachi that God's yep. going to send a messenger ahead of you who'll prepare your way. John was that messenger. Yeah, right. he he did some unique things, but he was the one that God promised to send. And that's um, a really important connection, I think. One because Malachi, whose name means my messenger talks about how God's going to send his messenger ahead of the Savior. Um, so John the Baptist would be that one. Um, he also then talks later in uh, Malachi 4. So the, the one that's quoted here is from Malachi 3. Uh, in Malachi 4, he talks about how he's going to send Elijah, and Elijah will come, and that will be the, the fulfillment. Um, he'll be the forerunner. And then now John the Baptist here is... Um, Jesus says, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So Jesus ties that ties a bow on that prophecy and that connection. And then if you consider the timeline, 
Old Testament intertestamental period into New Testament history. That uh, Malachi is the last prophet, mm-hmm. and you've got this uh, the four hundred years uh, of silence where there's no uh, scriptural books being written, and then how does that silence get broken? It's when John the Baptist comes, right? So you've got this bookend. Uh, end of the Old Testament and beginning of the New Testament, um, and, and that connection is made there as uh, Malachi, though 400 years later, he passes the baton off to the next prophet, to John the Baptist, and then John the Baptist fulfills prophecy in and of himself and then um, proclaims the gospel and and uh, and fulfills what he was called to do to prepare the, the way for the, for Jesus. Yeah. At the end of that section, Jesus just kind of calls out the the unbelieving people who just will not accept um, their message, um, will not accept Jesus as as Messiah, and uh, kind of uses the illustration of of kids playing outside and 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 kind of quotes this. I don't know if it's a kind of a childish poem or something, but we played the pipe for you, you did not dance. We sang a dirge, you did not mourn. Right, so this idea of hey, we invited you to come play, but you didn't. I invited you to come and hear the message and the truth, but you've just, you know, rejected both John and me. We've given you every opportunity to know what's happening and you didn't respond accordingly. Right. Right. So not mourning at the the dirge of a of a funeral, um or not not uh, dancing when the when the music starts to play. Um maybe a modern day. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. It's kind of what they're saying. Like, uh, you had every opportunity except for your part. We did everything that we could. So it's a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Um, Look, see, uh, listen, and compare with with the Old Testament scriptures and see how how Christ is fulfilling these things, Jesus fulfilling these things as the Christ, and and believe. Next section then talks about um, woe on unrepentant towns. Um, I think it's previously in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And here you have that played out um, with some specifics in mind that here Jesus spent his, he grew up in Nazareth, uh, makes Capernaum his like hometown, his, his central location where he uh, conducts his ministry from. Um, and then, of course, all of those towns on the Sea of Galilee would be places that would be really familiar with him. Um, and places where Jesus did a lot of of work, but here he proclaims woe on them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment. Then he goes on to specifically mention Capernaum, and it and then to even say if the miracles that were performed there were performed in Sodom, um, Sodom would still be around. It wouldn't have been destroyed because they would have repented and believed. Um, Those so, are pretty harsh words, aren't yeah, they? Uh, right. He says, will Capernaum be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's, he's just really calling out the unrepentance. You know, it's this, it's this idea of well, you need to wake up and see that you're missing the reality, the fulfillment of God's promise, right. this gift of a Savior right here in front of you. And, you know, for a Jewish person to hear that Tyre and Sidon, which are these Gentile nations along the, the sea, Mediterranean Sea, are going to be better off in the last day than you guys, well, that's a slap in the face. Right. And then to say, well, it, it'd be better for you if you were in Sodom, right, <laughs> than, than right. Capernaum and being unbelieving with these miracles that are happening. 
Wow, because uh, you know Sodom was referenced in Matthew chapter ten as another. Here's here's what happens with unbelief, right? Right. And uh, man, uh, it's just you're going to go down to Hades. I mean, that's come on. What else do you say to these people? Right. So the the pain will be increased, knowing that they had the miracles performed. They had every opportunity. There are. Uh, Plenty of people at this time, especially, that never heard the gospel, didn't know, didn't have the advantages that they had. Um, And that's sad, but it's even more sad for those that saw it happen, that watched Jesus and his ministry and said, yeah, no thanks. I think I'm going to just do it my own way. I don't really need that. You're not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something else. Um, And so for Jesus comes out and doesn't pull any punches. But this is the reality. These miracles were performed in your midst, and you chose to ignore them. The clear gospel was proclaimed in your midst. In fact, the word of God himself came down uh, and showed his love and care and compassion and concern for you, and you turned your back on it. Right. You know, and, and today, if we were to apply that, it's just it's that mentality we can sometimes get into, that Jesus isn't enough, um, that we, we want to look for something else, something different, or the idea that there we have these opportunities to know Jesus and we turn from him, there's no other hope is really Jesus' point. Um, turn turn to him, trust in him, or suffer the, the faith of, of judgment. Yeah. Father revealed in the Son, um, Jesus closes with some words to talk about that intimate relationship that he and the Father have, um, but then also that his job, his goal, his hope is that people will get to know the father that he will expose to the world the father and his love and and the salvation that he has sent his son uh to to carry out i think that's a fitting you know remark or or comments that jesus makes here after what he just said right so woe to you unrepentant cities but now look to me you want to know who God really is. You want to see the Father? Just look at me. Look at what I have done. Look at what I'm preaching. Um, you'll see the Father. And I always think that's a cool picture because, I mean, if you look at, at your kids, my kids, uh, oh, yeah, you, you get those comments. Oh, yeah, you look a lot like your dad or probably better for both of us. You look a lot more like your mom, right? <laughs> yeah. Kids kids reflect their parents, right? You can tell whose kids are whose usually in a lot of ways. Um, and not just in their looks, but in how they act, sometimes how they speak, those types of things. Children are um, a lot of, they're basically replicas of their, of their parents in a lot of respects. Jesus, as a son of God, is a, a replica of the Father. If we want to know what God is thinking, how God acts, and how God cares about this world, just look at Jesus and his ministry and the life and the things he taught. And that's Jesus' point here. This is, I'm showing you the Father. I'm here. Believe. And then comes that really cool invitation at the end of that section. Um, verse 28, come to, me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, a beautiful passage that we often go to. And, and you know, as you, you go from this, woe to you, unre- you unrepentant cities, repent. I'm showing you the Father. And now because of this, come, you'll find we're, you'll find comfort here. Right. You'll be spared from that judgment. Um, you'll have the rest that I came to to freely give. I, it's a beautiful picture. Um, my yoke is easy for my burden is light. Um, Jesus isn't saying that it's going to be a cakewalk. Um, I've often paraphrased 
Uh, Jesus doesn't say, uh, take my lazy boy recliner. Uh, right. A yoke is a picture of work. A yoke is a picture of hardship. Uh, but it becomes easy because it's with Jesus that we bear it. And Jesus does the heavy lifting and he um, enables us to come out on the other side. If we had to do, uh, if we had to live our lives here in this world without Jesus, uh, that would be a pretty hopeless task. Um, if we had to rely on our own strength to get through, um, it'd be anything but restful. Uh, but it becomes light and easy because our Savior has borne it all for us. Yeah, and I wonder this too, and I, I don't know this fully and completely, but I, I often imagine a yoke having two mm-hmm. oxen tied together to it, right? Yeah. Um, and and for us, for Jesus to invite us to take his yoke upon us, uh, you know, it kind of has this idea that he's got the other part of it. He's on the other side. And that's why right. it's it's a, a light and easy burden, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, because he's, he's won the battle for us. He fights for us. He energizes and equips us to, to live faithful lives as, as his people. So, you know, it's it's not like we're... We're yoked together with him, so he's going to lead and guide us through life, too, and, and go along with us, too. So I just think that's a, an amazing picture to think about. Yeah, um, and what's the purpose of a yoke? Uh, probably don't have too many uh, professional farmers that are that are watching along, nor am I. But the yoke keeps the two head of oxen together so that they plow in the same direction, right? Right. Um, Without that yoke, you get them moving. I'm making these awesome hand gestures for you podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> At least I can get your smile. So you, you're, you you're tracking and me. I'm smiling. That's you guys one. can't see anything There's that's one. happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, picture that. If two oxen uh, each are moving in the total opposite direction... Uh, guess what happens? The the plow stays put and no work right. gets done at all. But the yoke keeps them together so that they can pull in the same direction. And and so now with that picture, Jesus prevents us from pulling a- away, but rather he becomes the one who bears the weight and keeps us on the right path and keeps us heading in the direction of heaven. Um, and we can say that the yoke is easy because Jesus is the one who, who bears the weight. Uh, yeah, he bears the weight, and that's a, the comfort and the the rest that we find in Jesus is just when our souls are burdened by, by our guilt, by our shame, by our sin, uh, as much as all of those can be, he takes it all from us and sets us free. And th- that yoke is now our our connection to our Savior and and the life we live out of love for him. It's it's where the other passage is. My law is not you know, keeping my commands isn't a burden, but it's, it's a joy. Right. Um, because it is, it's a joy to say, Lord, heavenly father who loves me so dearly and gave me eternal life. How can I say thank you and show my love to you? And he says, here are the ways you do it. Take my yoke and follow my commands and, and share my word. Yeah. Would you want it any other way other than being connected to Jesus? Oh, absolutely not. Not a chance. (laughs) Otherwise I, I tie myself to something else and this is going to drag me through the mud. Right. Um, but Jesus won't. And that's a that's where the the rest is. It's found in him. It sure is. This is most, most certainly, certainly true. true. Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. 
We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon. 